God will strengthen your faith. Uh, sometimes you wonder if you have enough faith or whatever it may be, but the Lord's Bible will strengthen that faith and encourage that faith and grow that faith. And, uh, you know, many times in our life we struggle with different things, but this Bible can be our guide through it. And uh, you've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter number 11. And uh, we've got a pretty big, lengthy bit of Scripture to read, so we're not going to worry about standing up. And, uh, but as I read this and I was looking over this, uh, this is kind of an overview, if you will, a rehearsal. That's why I kind of called it a rehearsal. Uh, a rehearsal of what took place in chapter 10. And uh, I'm not going to go into detail what happened in chapter number 10, because chapter number 11, the verses 8 to 1 through 18, are going to discuss what happened in chapter 10. So we can kind of gather that from there. Acts chapter number 11. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, and a certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, and upon which I had fastened my eyes, and I considered and saw four-footed beasts of earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air, and I heard a voice of I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into that man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in the house, and which stood and said to him, said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the Lord, the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like, the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then 
hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Now, it's interesting as we've read this and you say, well, that was a lot of scripture. I know it was. And so I'm going to do my best to kind of describe what takes place, okay, and then kind of work our way through. So number one, and by way of the message, if you will, we see the contention that's in the crowd. And the Bible says in verse number one, verses number one through verse number three, uh, Peter, uh, again, I'm, I, I'm going to describe it to you. Peter had just been with Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile, and he went to Cornelius' house. He was there with him. He ate with him. He had supper with him. He got saved and baptized. And, uh, and you know, again, it's one of those things that they had trouble understanding that, that Gentiles could be saved. And so it began to bring contention among the people. In verse, number, in verse number three, or verse number two, the Bible says, And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, that they were of the circumcision, contended with him. Now, they contended with him. They, there was contention in the room. There was, uh, they, 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 they was trying to figure out what, what had taken place. And so in their mind, the Bible says that they were of the circumcision, which means that they had been circumcised and they were Jew, okay? And so that's what they were, and the Gentile was uncircumcised. And so anyway, so Paul or Peter was preaching to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, and in, in Jewish law, by Jewish law, they were not allowed to eat with the Gentiles, and so here they are, uh, they're, they're, they've got contention going on. I mean, bud, if, if you're doing something wrong, if you're, if you're breaking God's law, bud, we, we need to sit down, we need to talk about this. And so they brought Peter in, and it was a group of believers, people who were Christians, people who were, who were Bible believers just like Peter was. And, and they set Peter down, and they began to have a meeting, and he said, look, bud, he said, I don't know what was going on, but why did you eat with those Gentiles? Why in the world did you get down there and eat with them and, and explain to us what was taking place? They didn't understand. And as I tried to describe last week, sometimes people have trouble understanding that all people can be saved. And, and there's contention in the room, uh, uh, you know, uh, biased in the room. There was bias in the room that only Jews could be saved. And, and Gentiles weren't allowed to, to taste of that freedom and allowed to taste of that life everlasting that, that Jesus Christ gave. And so Peter had to explain to them what was taking place and there was contention. And, and can I say this is, is one, of the, one of the things that will hurt church more than anything is always contention. Uh, people fighting and bickering and, and uh, getting, uh, not getting along. The Bible says only with pride cometh contention. Uh, you want to know what, what's going on? If there's, if, there's, if there's contention going on, there's there's, uh, there's pride involved with it. Somebody's, somebody's pride is being infringed upon. And uh, only with pride cometh contention. As a church, we need to be on the same page. We need to be working together and going together. And look, if, if, if there's something that's been done or there's something that's been said, or if there's something that you have questions about, then ask. Ask a question rather than trying to uh, cause contention or try to cause strife. Uh, uh, make sure that, that, you're, that, that don't cause contention on purpose. Now, one of the worst things I hate is, is tension. I hate tension. 
I hate uh, confrontation. I don't like to be. I don't like to confront people. I don't like. I don't like confrontation. I was an assistant manager at a grocery store for I don't know four or five years, and one of the worst things I hated was was bringing someone in and firing them and having contention or confrontation face to face. I hate that. And on the church side of things, I hate confrontation. But I won't tell you that if there's if there's a problem, if there's something that needs to be taken care of, then it needs to be taken care of. And if confrontation has to happen, then confrontation needs to take place. But like I said, if there's contention or if you've got questions, what do you need to do? You need to ask. No, this is what took place. They didn't go around causing trouble. They just simply set Peter down and said, hey, explain to us what's taking place. Explain to us what's taking place. Explain to me what's going on here. Because I don't understand. I don't understand why, why you're letting Gentiles get saved. I don't understand why you're letting them get baptized. You've got to explain to me. Boy, I'm glad he let them get baptized. I'm glad he let them get saved. Amen. Amen. Because you know who he was following? He was following the Lord. Now, number one, we see, the, we, see the, we see the confrontation or the contention, if you will, but then number two is Peter's response. And all the way, verses one, or verses number four, all the way down to verse number 17 is Peter's response. And Peter's response is he explains to them what took place in chapter 10. Well, he said, I was in Joppa and I was praying and God sent me in a trance and he dropped down this sheet in front of me, and this, this sheet dropped down. It was, like a, it was like in our modern day time, it would be like the projector on the screen, right? And he's projecting it on the screen, and there's animals running by, four-footed beasts. Now look, a Jewish custom and Jewish law was they were not allowed to eat certain things. They were not allowed to eat, uh, I mean, good stuff like good catfish. I mean, Miss Denise, they're not allowed to eat that. Can you imagine growing up having not, not to eat lobster and all that good stuff, you know? But, I mean, I, they were not allowed. They had a long list of things they weren't allowed to eat. And, and so God was reviewing this with him and, and showing Peter, and he showed him these animals, and he said, now listen, Peter. This is what Peter describes, okay? So that's all I'm trying to do is just describe what's going on. And Peter tells the, the council this, and he says, now... He said, as I was there, and God showed me these animals, and then God told me, he said, arise, Peter, and eat. Kill and eat. Do it. And Peter said, well, I can't do that because those things you're asking me to eat, those things that you're asking me to kill are unclean. I cannot do that. And Peter makes a statement in here in this chapter. He said, I've never had anything unclean in my mouth. Man, that's a strong that's a strong commitment to live by, especially in the Jewish law. If you go back in the Old Testament and read some of those things that they weren't allowed to eat, I mean, good old pork chop, you know, come on, man. Ah, oh, come on, bacon, man. They couldn't wrap everything in bacon. Everything's better with bacon. Everything is better with bacon on it. I mean, I'm telling you. All those, those good things, if you will, those good things he couldn't eat, and Peter abstained from those his whole life. Had never, Bible said he he said I've never had anything unclean in my mouth. But then God told him, He said, "What you have called clean, not what you've called unclean, what you've called common, they're no longer, they're no longer unclean. They're no longer they're no longer wrong for you to eat." And so Peter, Peter didn't understand it the first time, so God had to show him the second time, and then God had to show it the third time. He had to show him three different times on the big screen, if you will, so he could see it, that it was okay for him to eat those things. But Peter's response to all of this was to do what God wanted him to do. 
You know, and may that be a testimony to us. May that be something that we can learn from this scripture is that we, when we don't, hey, man, that goes against everything I've been taught or that goes against what, what, I, what, what I think. Well, if the Bible says it, 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 that's all that matters. And sometimes we, we get confused or sometimes we battle with the idea that, you know, that's not the way I was raised or that's not what I was taught or that's not what I believe. And truly, it really doesn't matter what we believe. It matters what the Scripture says. And if the Bible says it's right, it's right. And if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. No matter what the world says or no matter what, what TV says or no matter what's being blasted across the Internet or whatever it says, if the Bible says it's right, it's right. And if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't. And so God was trying to display to him is that Peter, I know it goes against everything your mama taught. It goes against everything your daddy taught. It goes against everything that was in the the scripture. But I'm telling you, it's all right to go. Boy, I can imagine his first meeting with bacon on this first day. Come on. <sighs> now, I don't know how long it took him to eat the unclean thing, but, but truly, may I say this to you, truly, we need to listen to the Lord. Well, that goes against everything I want to do. Well, maybe you need to listen to the Lord. You know, making a decision to get saved making a decision to get baptized, sometimes that's the most difficult thing for a person to do. Well, you know what? The way I was raised or the what I used to believe or what I was taught, you know, that, that's a big decision for someone who has gotten saved, who, who used to believe a certain way and now they've gotten saved and now they need to be baptized. That's a huge deal for them to say, you know what? I, you know what? I know I used to believe that, but I'm not going to anymore and make that decision to follow the Lord. Uh, and even, even sometimes coming out of your box a little bit and just doing what God wants you to do rather than doing the exact same thing you've been doing all the time. You know, there's a certain way as a Christian we ought to live. There's a certain way as a Christian we ought to talk. There's a certain way as a Christian we ought to live our life outside of church and it ought to represent what Jesus Christ is. And that Bible teaches us that. We've got to make sure we listen. We've got to make sure that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Peter shows him his vision in verse number 5 through 11. Then we see that Peter got up and he went to this man's house in verse number 12 and 13. But then also when he went to this house, he wasn't alone. He brought men with him. And verse number 14, his response is... uh, Tells them how he got saved and how they were there. That's the reason why he went to that house. And, and uh, that's the reason why Peter was called to that house. And you know, I've said it before and I, I'll keep on saying it, but there's really people waiting for us to come to their house and tell them about Jesus. You know how many times I've knocked on someone's door and they said, well, you know what, I was praying the other day and asked God to... You think that it's by coincidence that I'm here, or by coincidence that I come by, or by coincidence you came to church? You ever been to church and you felt like, man, the preacher was reading my mail and he knew everything I was doing and he preached that message right to me? You think it's by accident that God gave the message to the preacher to preach? You know, sometimes I, I you know, I wonder, I, 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 you know, I do not, I do not pick messages out and say, well, okay, well, this is going on in church. Now let's preach on this. Or I've been counseling somebody about this, so I'm going to preach on that. That's not how it works. 
I don't do that. I, I'm not going to do that. I try to let the Scripture dictate to me what I'm preaching on. And I have seen God... God uh, man, I, if I could have picked a better message to preach at our church at that time, it was because of what was in the Scripture to preach next. And look, and may I say to you, uh, again, as I, as I read this and I, and I study this, is our response needs to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Our response to the Holy Spirit needs to get up and go when He speaks to us. The Holy Spirit spoke, and the Holy Spirit filled those individuals, those, those Gentiles... Look in verse number 17, verse number 16. He said, but then I remembered. Peter said, but then I remembered how the Lord said, how the Lord said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He said, I remembered when I was sitting there dealing with these Gentiles. He said, I remembered when I was at their house and how the Holy Ghost came upon them and, and revealed to me that they were saved and revealed to me that the Holy Ghost had moved upon them. He said, I realized, I remembered Jesus saying it would happen. There's things that's being fulfilled and prophecies being fulfilled all across this world today and it's just a remembrance of things that the Lord has said. But look in verse number 17 as we get ready to go to the third point. But for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us. And he's talking to the Jew, Gentiles that, or the Jews that, that were in Jerusalem. He said, look, I remember, don't you remember how God gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1? Don't you remember that? That's exactly what took place. The same gift that we got is the same gift they got. And he did unto them who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, listen to that last, that last uh, sentence. He says, what was I? that I could withstand God. What does that mean? What was I that I could withstand God? How long? Let's go back, first of all, let's go back to the time you got saved. How long were you convicted about your salvation before you responded? How long did it take for you to respond when the Holy Spirit said, get saved? Get saved. Hey, you're lost. You better respond. You're lost. You better respond. And this is what Peter is saying. He said, how, how can I withstand God? How can I withstand that conviction? You're sitting here today, you come to church and you're convicted of your sin or you're convicted of something that's going on in your life. How long are you going to withstand that conviction? How long am I going to withstand that conviction? I remember I was 12 years old when I got saved, but I'm going to tell you there was a long time, probably a three-year period, when I went to church and a lot of messages I heard weren't the messages that he preached. And the message I heard was, you better get saved. And the message I heard was, you better get saved. And you better get saved. And you better get saved. Probably at least for three, I know for three years for sure, messages I heard was I needed to get saved. That's a long time to withstand God. But I, let me ask you this. How long is it that you've been holding on to that sin that you won't release and you're withstanding God from it? And every time you go to church or every time you read your Bible and every time you hear a preacher preach, God convicts you of that sin and you're sitting there going, nope, I ain't moving. I ain't getting rid of that. I like that too much. I like going there. I like doing that. I like saying that. I like doing whatever it is. You like, you like it. 
And you're, you're resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Peter says, I can't withstand it. Well, many of us, we get, our, we get in our rut and we get in our life and, man, don't you tell me how to do it. Don't you tell me how to, how to live my life. I, I've got it under control. And you withstand that conviction of the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, how can I withstand it? It scares me. It scares me to think that there's people that withstand the Holy Spirit's conviction and just continue to live their life like nothing ever affected them. We were talking about in Sunday school how Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they lived in outright rebellion and sin against God. The two priests, they were priests in the house of God. And Hophni and Phinehas, when people would bring their sacrifices to the Lord, they'd take and give some to the Lord and take a little bit of fat and throw it over and keep it for themselves. And then they were doing... They were doing other things as well in the house of God. They were doing things wrong. You say, you know what? The conviction of God was upon their life and they withstood it and they wouldn't move and they, wouldn't re they resisted the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Do not leave this house today. Do not leave God's house today resisting the Holy Spirit's conviction on your life. If he's convicting you about sin, or if he's convicting you about salvation, if he's convicting you about service, don't resist the Holy Spirit of God. Look, I remember I was, I was 14 years old when God called me to preach. I remember sitting in that service on a Wednesday night. I couldn't resist it anymore. I had to go forward and tell, hey, God, you called me to preach. Do not resist. Do not resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the next time you resist him, the next time you withstand him, it'll get easier. It'll get easier. And it'll get easier. And just like sin, when you do sin the first time, boy, it hurts. And, and something convicts you. Oh, buddy, I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't say that. And the next time you do it, it gets a little bit easier. Every time you resist the Holy Spirit, it gets easier and easier and easier to resist him. Don't resist him. Do not resist him. Peter's response Peter's response is, man, he showed him his vision. He talked about God moving him. God saved him. God, the Holy Spirit moved and how he remembered and what he was that I could not withstand. And then lastly, and I'm done, I'll be done. Number three is the council's response. What was their response to all of this? <coughs> Look at this. In verse number 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace. Now you think it's odd or different that the Lord would say in verse number two that when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, there they were uh, contending with him. When Peter first walked into the room, there was, there was tension. When Peter first walked into the room, they were fighting him. But when Peter was done giving what God had given him in verse number 18, the Bible says that they held their peace. You know what that means? They weren't fighting anymore. They weren't contending with Peter anymore. They understood that Gentiles could be saved. And that's what they understood. Look at verse, the rest of verse 18. The Bible says, And they glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted the repentance to life. What did they do when they heard that those men got saved? They glorified God. Now, the Bible says our theme verse for the year is Luke 15, verse 7. This is part of it. 
He says, there's joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Yeah, we ought to get excited when somebody gets saved. Ah, that's not that big of a deal. Is it a big deal when someone gets saved? Was it a big deal when you got saved? Then it's a big deal when they get saved. Hallelujah. Someone's life was rescued from hell. The Bible says that they glorified God. Woohoo! I don't know what they said. I don't know if they ran a lap, maybe did a couple cartwheels. I don't know. Did a couple, I don't know. You say that's, that's probably a little extra. Maybe it was a little extra. I don't know. But they glorified God. And not only did they glorify God, but then they, then they said, okay, God's made repentance to all men. Now, I'm going to close and I'm going to be done. Are you glad repentance is to all men? Boy, oh boy, I'm glad that God revealed to them that repentance was to all men. And may I say to us today, repentance is to all men. No special creed, no special color. It's for all. The Bible says, and when there's no, when there's, there's no uh, remission of sins without the shedding of blood, Jesus gave his life for all mankind. You don't have to be a certain type. You don't have to make a certain amount of money. You don't have to have a certain type of job. You just have to be willing to receive the Lord. Accept the Lord. Repent of your sins. That's what you have to do. The Bible says this in, Hebrew, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. That's me. Are you glad you're a whosoever? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you've used me in spite of me.